All right, friends. Well, if you missed our announcement in the last week, you might be really confused just about now. Um, but we are back to online-only services. This is going to last for August and September. And then we'll reevaluate to see what October, November, and December look like. We're going to try to take things from a quarterly perspective. So with that in mind, I've got a couple of important announcements. And then we'll jump into the scripture together today. Um, so first of all, um, be paying attention. My hope is that next Sunday we'll be able to announce a date for an outdoor worship gathering. Even though we've gone more to online right now on Sundays, um, one of the primary factors was being indoors in an enclosed space together. And so we're looking to do several worship gatherings while we are in this Sunday morning online only mode. And so be watching for that announcement. Um, we're excited to find a time to gather as the body of Christ to worship together. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, additionally, it's so important always, but especially right now more than ever. There's so much that would cause us to separate, to kind of get into our own little, own little bubbles, our own little circles. Um, but church family, we need each other. We need to be in God's presence. We need to be in God's word. We need his guidance in our lives as we are navigating the ups and downs of everyday life, but especially the seasons we're in now. And friends, we need not just the influence of one another. Friends, we need the encouragement of one another. We need to bear one another's burdens. And so I just can't strongly recommend enough that you join a life group. Our life groups will be relaunching in mid-August. We're just a week or two away from that. Um, if you're in one, our life group leaders will be reaching out to you to connect and talk about what that's going to look like. Um, if you're not in one, you can sign up now. Get our e-bulletin, go online on our website, and there's a place where you can, can say, hey, I'm interested in this. Um, our plan is to have life groups that meet in person, um, maybe outdoors, maybe in a living room. We also anticipate that we'll have life groups that are doing online only, using like Zoom, for example, to connect with each other. Um, and so there is a spot for you. Wherever you're at, there's a spot for you. Please plug in. Now, another thing I want to encourage you with, if, if you're new to our church, or even if you've been around for a while now and you've never had the opportunity to do this, um, every so often, my wife and I host um, Foundations class. And I hate calling it class because it's really more than that. It's a very personal time. Um, we get to know you, you get to know us. There's a lot of room for just asking questions, getting to know each other on a personal level. And then we also talk about kind of the core foundations of who our church is, what we believe, how we operate. And so it's a great way to get connected here at Grace Chapel. We would love to have you join in on that. Um, let us know if you're interested, and then we're going to see kind of amongst those that sign up if we prefer to do a Zoom version of that or if we'll meet together in person. I'm, I'm open. My wife and I, were open to either option. So let us know. We'd strongly encourage you to do that. It's a great way to get plugged in. Um, it usually lasts about four weeks, um, and so plan on jumping on that. Again, you can sign up on our website. You can sign up through a link in our e-bulletin. And then lastly, parents, as, as summer is, is wrapping up, um, we want to encourage you guys. There's a really cool opportunity to do VBS at home with your kids. It's an online experience. 
Um, and so you can follow a link as well in our e-bulletin to that. Um, it's a really awesome program. Our church family, our home church back in Franklin, Tennessee, helped put this together, and we'd encourage you guys to participate in that. My kids got to do that this last week. They loved it. It was a huge blessing, and so we'd encourage you to jump in on that. All right, I think that's it for our announcements, and so we're going to dive into the book of Ezekiel together today. Now, I, I want to say up front, you know, this is such a, a powerful book. There's a lot of imagery it's really interesting, and there's so many directions that we could go. Um, man, if you were reading through the book of Ezekiel with us over the last two weeks, you know, I think the word that stands out to me is dramatic. You know, there's these dramatic, um, picturesque visions that Ezekiel has. Additionally, he's a dramatic guy. One of the ways that he operates as a prophet, um, yes, he does write some things and say some things, but he acted out a lot of things that God was asking him to do. He built models. Um, he, in his own person, acted out things that were representative of what all the people were going to be experiencing. And so, man, Ezekiel was an amazing guy, willing to do some kind of unbelievable things that God asked him to do. Um, he was very faithful, especially in light of the fact that Ezekiel was told by God, these people aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to you. You're going to go through all this stuff. You're going to say all these things. The people aren't going to listen. Um, and friends, I'm just reminded, if, if we get nothing else out of the sermon this morning, this isn't even the topic for today, but if we get nothing else out of this, friends, the way we measure success in our relationship with God is not about outcomes. It's about obedience. That's how we measure success. Am I listening to the voice of God? Am I following His direction? And thank God, because Ezekiel was obedient, we have this rich treasure trove of this book. And so let me give you a little context, a little background, and then we'll hone in on today's specific message, all right? So for some context, Ezekiel exists in the time of the exile. He overlaps with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an old man when Ezekiel comes onto the scene. Um, he's also contemporaries with the prophet Daniel. We'll be reading the book of Daniel next in this coming week. And so that's kind of where he fits in context. To give you sort of a sense of this, Jeremiah stays in Jerusalem pretty much the entire time of his ministry. Um, he's there as multiple times people are taken out of Israel, out of Judah, into captivity by Babylon. So Daniel and Ezekiel get taken into captivity while Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem. Um, Ezekiel goes to sort of what we could maybe relate to as a refugee camp. He's not, he's not right in the capital of Babylon, but he's nearby. In fact, he's in this little kind of town that's right on a brook. And then Daniel is also in captivity, but he's in the king's court. Man, he is right in the capital of Babylon. He's in the king's court. We'll look at him next week. And so while these three guys overlap a little bit, they're all in different places and they're speaking to different seasons. Um, the prophet Jeremiah dies during the course of Ezekiel and Daniel's life and ministry. So Ezekiel specifically, he's in captivity. Some of what he writes in his book is before Jerusalem is under siege and destroyed, and some of it is after. But he's writing to the people that are in captivity with him. And there's a lot that he's carrying in his message. Um, listen, he speaks to... Um, kind of just this reminder of why this is happening. 
in the midst of their despair and their discouragement, he says, guys, listen, as challenging as it is to hear, it's our unfaithfulness, our sin that has brought this upon us. We didn't follow God. We didn't take care of our people. Um, we looked to other gods and other countries, other non, um, non-God-following leaders for protection. And all of those things failed us. And so we're here for a reason. But he also reminds them um, we can look to God for hope. We can turn to him and repent. And ultimately, the message of Ezekiel in the midst of all the tragedy is one of hope. And he's encouraging them. We can turn to the Lord and he has an ultimate plan to redeem us. And so we have this beautiful vision at the end of Ezekiel of God's people being renewed and brought home. A new temple and a new city. And just newsflash, that wasn't just a picture of them returning from Babylonian captivity. He was getting a heavenly vision of God's eternal plan of redemption. And we see this beautiful river that comes flowing out of the city of God and brings healing to the land and to the nations. And so there's this this picture in Ezekiel. We see some powerful pictures of the gospel message in the book of Ezekiel. We see a picture of God's grace in Ezekiel chapter 33, where Ezekiel carries this message to the righteous where he says, hey, listen, your righteousness will not save you. But then he says to the wicked, your wickedness does not disqualify you. Both the righteous and the wicked need the grace of God. And so there's hope if we turn to him and find our salvation in him alone. Um, There's imagery of being born again. Jesus talked about the need for rebirth in our lives. And we see this powerful picture of it in Ezekiel 37 with the valley of dry bones. Those who were dead are brought back to life when the Spirit of God breathes on them. It's the same thing Jesus tells us needs to happen. We've been born once in in a fleshly way, and we need to be reborn in a spiritual way. Um, I already mentioned the heavenly vision that he has of the the future hope that we have in Jesus of eternal life and redemption in him and that beautiful picture of the living water that brings life and healing. And so these are some of the things that we see in Ezekiel. Um, One of the most powerful messages in Ezekiel would be easy to miss because early on in the book, there's this strange description where Ezekiel is in captivity. He's sitting by this this creek, by this river, and he sees this vision. And there's all these these four living creatures, and they're kind of carrying around this pedestal, this throne, and then there's an image on the throne. But friends, in the midst of that imagery, um, there's some powerful pictures there that are fun to dig into that reveal kind of who God is in his character. But listen, don't get lost in the mysterious quality of the imagery. There's a message in it. Yes, Ezekiel is out of place. He's not where he belongs. You know, everything's upside down in the book of Ezekiel. Um, The temple eventually is destroyed. God's people are not where they belong. But the picture and the message of Ezekiel is that God's presence is with Ezekiel even in captivity. Friends, when we're in those seasons, in those places in life where everything is out of sorts, nothing seems like it's as it should be, one of the great messages of hope in Ezekiel is that God's presence is right there, even in the midst of everything being out of sorts. 
and it's through the presence of God that Ezekiel finds comfort because God is with him and God reminds him and his people of future hope and promises that all the wrongs will be made right and that we do have a home and we do have a place and there is healing and redemption for God's people. So that's kind of the overall message of Ezekiel. Now, today, if you want to turn your Bible, you can follow along. We're going to spend time in Ezekiel 34. And I specifically want to look at this good shepherd that's talked about in Ezekiel chapter 34. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for about the scripture is whether we're in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament, you know, we're looking in those really early days, um, even before Israel is established, you know, at Adam and Eve and at Noah, or we fast forward a little bit and we see Abraham and the birth of the nation of Israel. We see Moses rescuing them from Egypt. We see King David rise. All these different characters throughout history in the scripture, the story and the theme over and over again, ultimately is pointing to Jesus. Many times we're seeing our need for Jesus. You know, there's there's hopelessness, there's despair in the Old Testament, there's hard times, but even those cry out for rescue and a savior. And then over and over again, we see these glimpses of this coming Messiah. And we've got a great picture of that here in Ezekiel chapter 34. So let's pick this up. Let's start reading together. I'm going to pick up in the middle of this chapter. We'll cover most of the chapter as we go through this together today. Um, but Ezekiel 34 um, verses 23 and 24. This is God speaking and he says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And so we've got this picture, this glimpse of a coming shepherd in the line of David. This lines up with so many Old Testament prophecies that point to the fact that there is an eternal king coming in the line of David. But specifically here in Ezekiel, he says that king is going to be a shepherd. Friends, this is echoed in the New Testament speaking about Jesus. In fact, it's from the mouths of the chief priests um, as Herod is looking for the king who will be born, king of the Jews, this coming Messiah. He's concerned because the wise men have shown up and said, hey, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? He's worried about his own kingdom. But the chief priests dig into the Old Testament and they say, hey, here's where this king is going to come from and here's what he's going to be like. Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, the city of David, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, so he's going to be a king, who will shepherd my people Israel. Friends, Jesus is that king from the city of David, in the line of David, who is a shepherd king just like David was. David was a beautiful glimpse, an imperfect glimpse, but a beautiful glimpse of our coming King Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you as we begin to explore together this morning, our Jesus who is called the Good Shepherd, we just need to say up front, if we want the care of the Good Shepherd, we have to be willing to submit to the authority of the Good Shepherd. He's not just kind of this lowly, gentle shepherd boy out there. 
He's the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. His, his role as shepherd is directly connected with his role as king. He is a powerful shepherd. He is a strong shepherd. Thank God that he's a good shepherd. But friends, I want to encourage you this morning as we look at kind of some of the comfort and protection we receive from Jesus, we need to first be willing to acknowledge he has the authority. He gets to be king of my life. And as king of my life, I can enjoy his protection and his care. But will I commit my life into his hands? And so that's number one. Our shepherd is our king. Number two, our our shepherd rescues us from harm. Uh, A little bit earlier here in Ezekiel 34, verses 11 and 12, talk about the Lord's intention to, to rescue his sheep. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Friends, this is great news. As we navigate our lives as the people of God, There are going to be seasons of darkness where clouds come in. There's going to be seasons where we feel like we're lost, we're wandering. Sometimes it's our own wandering, right? Like we've strayed. The scripture talks about that. All we like sheep have have wandered and we've all followed our own way. And so sometimes the darkness is of our own making. But there's other times where the sheep simply just get lost in the midst of a broken world. Darkness shows up. And God says, I promise you, I will be faithful to seek, to save, to rescue my sheep. And this is exactly what Jesus promises to do when he calls himself the good shepherd in John's gospel, chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Friends, not only does our shepherd have all authority, Our shepherd is willing to lay down all the benefits that he receives from that authority in order to lift us up. Friends, he stands unique. There are many people in this world that will come along to to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. There might be spiritual leaders in our lives. Um, There might be practical leaders, government leaders in our lives. We might have different bosses in our life. All of us um, grew up with some form of authority with our parents. You know, whether we were raised in a single parent home or um, whatever the, the case may be, we have all had authority figures in our life. What stands apart with Jesus is not only that he has all authority, but as he leads us, as he protects us, he doesn't look to use us for his benefit. Instead, he benefits us by laying his life down. Jesus took the form of a servant while he walked this earth. And in fact, even to the point of death, he laid his life down to rescue us and bring us home. Jesus has made rescuing and protecting his sheep a top priority, and he puts our health above his own health. That's a good shepherd. Now, third thing, this good shepherd who has authority and who lays down his life to rescue us, this good shepherd, when he shows up, When we let him be our shepherd, 
He brings us into peace. He makes a way of peace, a place of peace for us. Check this out. Again, Ezekiel chapter 34, now verses 25 through 27. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. So he, he makes a covenant of peace with us. I'm going to protect you. Notice he doesn't just say you'll never be in the wilderness or in the woods. He says in the midst of that, I will protect you from the wild beasts and I will give you the ability to rest securely even when everything around you seems insecure. Verse 26, And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke, and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. Friends, our shepherd will set us free from, from being enslaved. Our shepherd will provide for us, care for us, tend us. He has a place where we belong. This is who Jesus is. He's our good shepherd who at great cost to himself lays down his life for the sheep, and he provides a place of rest for us. He talks about this a little bit more in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, friends, I just want to encourage you. Um, it's so easy during the course of our lives to be aware of the presence of danger, to be aware of the fact that there is a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, to be aware of the fact that there are times where we're in seasons of darkness, things seem cloudy, I'm not sure what to do. I feel like I'm kind of lost out in the wilderness and I don't feel like I'm being protected. I don't feel like I'm being um, guided. I don't feel like I'm dwelling in peace and that I can get sleep. Friends, I want to encourage you, look to the good shepherd of our souls. See Jesus for who he is and look to the Lord to guide you into places of peace. He says we'll go in and out and find pasture. Guys, there's ups and downs in life, but our good shepherd will guide us, feed us, protect us in all seasons. And the enemy doesn't win. He doesn't win. All right. Now, if we just stop there, that just sounds, well, Jake, great. That sounds rosy and cheery. And, you know, I've, I've heard Jesus referred to as the good shepherd before. But man, life is hard and I'm facing real challenges. And how does that speak to those problems? Well, listen, as the good shepherd, he gives us warnings about danger. He tells us what to watch out for and then offers us a plan of hope to navigate them. And so as we move into the rest of this this morning... I want to give you two warnings that, that God gives to the sheep and then some solutions to those two warnings of what we need to watch out for. So the first warning, as sheep, we are told to beware of the shepherds around us. 
And in fact, the false shepherds are called out and warned to not be false shepherds, to not abuse the sheep. And they're told justice will come when you abuse the sheep. But as the sheep, we need to be aware that there are false shepherds. There are shepherds that will lead us astray. And so we get a picture of this in Ezekiel 34. It's actually how how the passage opens. Before he describes his role as the good shepherd, he tells us the problem about the broken shepherds that are already present with us. Ezekiel 34, I'm going to start reading in verse 2 and read through most of verse 5. Son of man, he's, he's talking to Ezekiel and telling him to prophesy. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Friends, false shepherds harm the sheep. False shepherds mislead the sheep. They abuse the sheep, using them for their own benefit. They abandon the sheep. They just leave them onto their own. Friends, this is a real problem. There is a severe lack of leadership in our world. There's a severe lack of leaders who are competent, but there's also a severe lack of leaders who have character, godly character that understand their role as leaders to protect and to make self-sacrifices for the good of others. And so friends, we've got to be aware of the fact that there are a lot of false shepherds out there and they will use us, abuse us, and neglect us. We have to have awareness of that. And then kind of right along with this warning, there's also the warning that there's wild beasts out there. And so when the shepherds have let us down, they leave us exposed and the wild beasts can come in and sort of finish the job. That's the picture of the thief that Jesus was talking about in John 10 that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There are those who just don't have our best interest at heart, and then there are those who want to devour us all together. Friends, this is a real warning because it's a real problem that we face. Now, friends, here's the deal. You might sit there and go, well, yeah, that seems obvious. And of course, we're going to watch out for people that would abuse us. But friends, part of the problem is that the sheep misunderstand who their shepherd is. And so we fall prey to following wrong leaders with wrong motives. And maybe we hear something that sounds good or appealing. It looks like we're being led in a good direction. Somebody's picked up a rallying cry that's important to us. And because it seems right and it sounds right, because it's what I'm looking for, we miss the fact of where they're actually taking us. Maybe they're using me for their own benefit. 
Maybe they're leading me towards my own destruction because they don't care for me at all. And so friends, we have to be careful of the voices in our lives that guide us, that give us direction. Friends, equally, we need to be careful not to throw off guidance altogether. God has a huge heart for sheep that are just lost and wandering on their own. And so it is into this context that Jesus shows up on the scene. When he comes to, to, um, into his place of ministry, you know, he hits 30 years old and begins to minister for a few years. When he surveys the scene, he sees two things that concern him. He sees people that have no shepherd at all, and he sees people who have false shepherds. It's why he's so furious over and over again with the priests of the day, with the leaders of the day, because they are false shepherds who mislead the sheep. And it's in this context that we see Jesus ministering. Here's a picture of this. This, this shows up more than once in the scripture, this phrase, but I want you to see it here in Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They were harassed by broken shepherds and they were helpless with no real true shepherd. And so he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, Jesus cares for us. He sees this great need that we have to be shepherded well, and he warns us there are those who abuse you. You know, I love this picture here in verse 35. Jesus is doing the opposite of what the broken shepherds did in Ezekiel 34. They neglected those who were sick and hurting and wounded. They didn't feed them. Instead, Jesus shows up and he feeds them. He gave them the gospel. He gave them hope and truth for their souls. He fed them and he healed them. Every disease, every affliction, he cared for the sheep. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, the same phrase is used. He looked on them with compassion and saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so he fed the 5,000. That's a good shepherd. That's what he does. Friends, let's be careful not to fall prey to false shepherds. Let's look to the good shepherd for healing and care. I want to give you all one more warning to consider here, okay? Many of us have experienced the wounding of shepherds who have let us down. I mean, man, we could spend probably weeks talking about the different, the different battle scars that we carry from shepherds who've done a poor job. For some of us, it was our, it was our own upbringing. The house we grew up in was not safe. The shepherds who were supposed to tend for us as young sheep neglected their job or abused us and used us. For some of us, we've fallen prey to shepherds who don't know God at all. And we've got wrapped up in following people who are leading us and it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. That can happen in our adult lives. We can look to other leaders, political leaders, just thought leaders, whatever, who say stuff that sounds right but it does not lead us to God and his kingdom. And so we've experienced that. Maybe we've even experienced hurt and disappointment there. And far too many of us in the church have suffered at the hands of broken leaders. Now listen, all of us are imperfect. I'm imperfect. All, all of our spiritual leaders are imperfect because they're, they're like you and me. 
I'm not just a leader. I'm, I'm just a normal guy, a follower of Jesus. I'm broken, and so I know the leaders I look to in this life are broken. But friends, there is a difference between a follower of Jesus who's imperfect and struggling along the way and an out-and-out false shepherd that abuses the sheep and hurts the sheep. And many of us have been wounded by spiritual leaders in our lives. And friends, what I want to encourage you with is this. Don't allow the wounding of false shepherds to keep you from the good shepherd. Many of us have accepted a path where I just have decided I'm on my own. I'm on my own. I can't trust anyone to help me, to protect me, to guide me. And so therefore I fight for my own safety, my own security, and my own protection. Friends, the message of Jesus is not to throw off all shepherds. Jesus sees you right where you are. He sees that you've been hurt and abused. He sees that you've been helpless. He offers himself as hope. He offers himself as the good shepherd. He doesn't encourage you to just run away from other shepherds and then be lost and alone. He encourages you to come into his fold, to be with his sheep, and to let him shepherd you. And he brings healing. He brings hope. He brings truth. He feeds us and strengthens us. That's our good shepherd. And so we see this picture here again in Ezekiel 34, 15 and 16 of the good shepherd caring for the sheep who've been abused by these broken shepherds. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. We'll come right back to that. I will feed them in justice. God says in all the injustice in this life, in all the brokenness in this life, in all the abuse that we receive at the hands of false shepherds, he has a plan of redemption. He sees you and he wants to bring you home. He'll seek you. He'll save you. He'll heal your wounds. He'll restore your weak places and give you strength. This is what he does. He brings justice. Now, there's this little verse in there that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense where he says, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. Well, he is talking about the full justice that he plans to bring. And this brings us to our second warning. Because friends, he doesn't just warn us about false shepherds. He warns us as sheep to be careful about the kind of sheep we are. And so the second warning is, don't trample other sheep. That's what the goats do. That's his warning. Check this out. Ezekiel 34, 17 through 21. So picking up right there from verse 16, he explains this, this issue within the flock that's got to be addressed. As for you, my flock, says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Hey, I brought you in. I've given you a place. I've, you've got a place to be fed. It's a good pasture. I want you to lie down. I want to give you peace. Wasn't that enough? What's the problem? 
Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? He says, listen, some of you sheep are making it difficult for the other sheep. You're not considering those around you. And so you're trampling up the good they would eat. You're muddying up the clear waters they're meant to drink from. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we get in each other's way. Um, Then he goes on. Let's keep going. Verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. Friends, he's saying we push each other around. We bowl each other over. We don't look out for one another. We harm each other. We have done a poor job. In fact, it's the weak among us that we trample. Friends, we're called to extend grace to the weak among us. We're called to be careful. There's food for all of us to eat. There's clear water for all of us to drink. But if we push and shove and just fight for me and mine, we harm other members of the flock of God. And he says, listen, true sheep take care of the other sheep. False sheep trample the other sheep. That's his warning. And so we see this warning take full effect in Matthew 25. This is Jesus talking. Remember, the good shepherd who loves the sheep and protects the sheep and heals the sheep and lays his life down for the sheep. He also has this to say, when the son of man comes in his glory, Jesus is talking about his return and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Now, you can read through the rest of Matthew 25 there, but he makes it very clear. He's talking about people being revealed for who they really are at the last day. And he talks about him bringing justice. And the issue in Matthew 25 is the same issue here. There's people who live for their own sakes and trample others in need. And then there are those who are aware of their good shepherd and all he's done for them and therefore they care for the rest of the sheep around them. Friends, we like to think of Jesus as the gentle shepherd. We tend to minimize his role in bringing justice. Sheep follow the true shepherd, and sheep are aware of their place in the herd. They protect one another. Friends, in the midst of watching out for false shepherds and looking to the good shepherd, we need to watch out for one another. We need to care and protect and encourage one another. We need to lift up the weak among us and not trample each other under feet. We need to tend one another. And so these are the two warnings. Warnings about false shepherds and warnings about false sheep. And Jesus plans to deal with both of those dangers. And so Ezekiel 34, 22 kind of encapsulates all of this. I will rescue my flock 
They shall no longer be prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Jesus plans to deal with these two issues, to rescue us from false shepherds and to judge between us that we are being true sheep and that we're taking care of one another. So what do we say to all this? I want to wrap all of this up. Hang with me about five more minutes as we wrap this up because it's great to say, hey, we have a good shepherd. It's, it's great to acknowledge there's problems out there in their world and there's false shepherds that abuse us and, and I need to be sensitive and aware of other sheep. How do we practically do this? Listen, friends, I want to give you two simple things that we can do. In the midst of trying to figure out what are the false shepherds and where is the true shepherd, listen, the simple solution to rejecting false shepherds and being aware of predators and recognizing the good shepherd is this. Follow the good shepherd. Follow him. John 10, where Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, addresses this. Um, John 10, 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Friends, this is really simple. It's really simple, but we have to decide that we want to treasure the voice of Jesus. And so we have to live our life in such a way that our ears are conditioned to hear his voice. We need to be able to hear him calling us by name. Friends, listen, I take it seriously that I have the position that I have where I get to speak into some people's lives. And I I think that's needed. I wouldn't be doing this job if I didn't think there was a place for shepherds, for pastors. But I have to tell you, The true shepherd of your soul is Jesus Christ. And any other shepherds in your life, me or others, we should only be echoing his voice. We should only be speaking things like, hey, here's what Jesus has said. Here's who he is. Here's what I think that looks like right here, right now, and where we should go. But friends, any shepherds in your life should reflect the voice of the good shepherd. If you want to be able to separate the difference between good shepherds and false shepherds, if you want to be able to recognize predators when they come, it's not that you have to look intently at all of them. Look intently to Jesus, and they will sound like Him. That's what you do. Jesus speaks truth. Jesus brings healing. Jesus also speaks warnings. He tells us when something is wrong, and he points to what is right. Friends, one of the reasons I'm so committed to us going through the Bible together this year is not just to learn the Bible better, to know more of what it says, although that's incredibly important. One of the main reasons why we read the Bible is that Jesus is the living word. If I want to know what the voice of the Good Shepherd sounds like when I'm not looking at the Bible— I need to first look at the Bible. His voice in my life, in day-to-day life, will sound like the God of the Scripture. 
And so as I read the Word and I get to know who God is and what He is like and the things that He has to say, then when I'm looking at what's happening in the world around me, I'm reading the news, I'm navigating social media, I'm listening to politicians, I'm dialoguing with friends, I'm facing hard decisions in life. All of the things that are swirling around us, they come into clear focus when I've been rooted in the Word of God and I know what His voice sounds like. And then He can guide me into all truth. He can lead me into the way that I should walk. And so friends, let's foster that sense in our hearts that follows Jesus and recognizes His voice. All right, the second thing we can do Um, I want to encourage you to read this on your own. There's this beautiful picture in John chapter 21. The second thing we can do besides following the good shepherd, the way that we can make sure we're a good sheep is we can tend to the other sheep. We can learn to feed the other sheep. In John's gospel chapter 21, you know, Peter's had this roller coaster ride with Jesus kind of over the course of his whole life. Ultimately, he's remained faithful as his disciple, as his follower. But on the night Jesus was betrayed, Peter denied him three times, and he he shrinks off in shame. And in John 21, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus makes things right with Peter. He redeems Peter's life. He forgives Peter. He reestablishes that love relationship where he's the shepherd and Peter is his beloved sheep. And in the midst of that dialogue, in John 21, you can read verses 15 through 17. As Jesus walks through this restoration with Peter, the command he gives to Peter over and over again is, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, care for my lambs. And he takes Peter from being a fisherman and he makes him a shepherd. Friends, the way that we know that we're a true sheep, a true follower of Jesus, is as we're following the good shepherd, we start to become more like him. And we learn to tend and care for sheep. Jesus passed that on to Peter, and Peter passed that on to others. I do want to read this in closing. Peter turned around and he passed on this responsibility he learned from Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. So I exhort the elders among you, those who've been walking with Jesus for a while, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So shepherd them, protect them, not under compulsion. Don't do this because you feel guilty or you have to. Do it willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When I've received and experienced the joy of having a good shepherd who cares for me, when I've experienced the benefit of health and healing and growth that happens in my life because of others who've walked with Jesus and have spoken truth into my life and have walked through hard things with me and they've helped shepherd me forward, when I've received and experienced those benefits from others, I'm now to turn around and give that away. And, and be a part of tending and caring for God's flock. And so I become a sheep who is healed and healthy and strong. 
and I don't use that to just live on my own and forget the rest of the flock and bowl them over because I'm okay. No, I come alongside and I now help shepherd others. Friends, this is what we're called to. In the midst of a world that is fraught with danger, with false sheep and false shepherds and predators that abound, we have a good shepherd to lead us. Let's purpose to follow him and let's learn to feed and tend his sheep well. Friends, I love you. I pray that we'll recognize and hear the voice of the good shepherd in our lives, even today, even this week. Friends, if you've wandered from him, let him rescue you and bring you home. If you're hurt, if you're wounded, look to him for healing. Friends, if you're enjoying the life and joy and peace that the good shepherd brings, don't neglect the other sheep. Be aware of the weak among us and let's tend and shepherd them well. I love you, friends. Let me pray over us and then we'll see you sometime soon, okay? All right, well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have the heart of a shepherd. We thank you for your son, Jesus, our King, our good shepherd who has all authority and he lays it all down to protect and guide the sheep. God, I pray that we would hear your warnings this morning. Lord, that you would maybe even highlight specific places in our life where we've been led astray by false shepherds. Or maybe, Lord, where we've just walked away from shepherds altogether because of past hurts and wounds. Lord, may we see you coming to rescue us and bring us back as the good shepherd of our souls. Lord, I pray that we would also recognize the possibility that we could be bullies amongst the sheep. Lord, that we could just be so caught up in our own life, in our own world, in our own health and well-being, that we neglect the weak among us, and we even hurt and trample other sheep. Lord, really simply, may we learn to recognize your voice and follow your lead, and may we learn to care for one another. Jesus, we love you. We worship you and we thank you that you are our good shepherd. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week.